Hello, and welcome to Public Key, the podcast from Chainalysis. This is your host, Ian Andrews. The world of art has always felt a bit foreign to me. I know what I like when I see it, but I'm far from an expert and definitely not a collector. NFTs have always fallen into the same category. I'm amazed at the creativity and I enjoy the community, but I haven't yet bought a board ape or a moonbird. But one of the interesting trends I've wanted to explore more deeply is the way in which well-known luxury brands are bringing NFTs into their customer experience. So today I'm joined by Christopher Ostergaard Polson, who's Senior Vice President, Business Development and Brand Partnerships at Bang & Olufsen. Bang & Olufsen is a high-end consumer electronics company that designs and manufactures audio products, television sets, and telephones. They were originally founded in Denmark in 1925. Today, b has created an exciting new collection of NFTs in partnership with some amazing digital artists and musicians that tie together their iconic audio equipment and their global retail store network. I think it's an amazing story of innovation at a 100-year-old company. And while you're listening to this episode, the Chainalysis Lynx Conference is happening live in New York City. If you weren't able to attend this year's conference, don't worry. Our YouTube channel will carry many of the main stage sessions in just a few weeks. So make sure you go to the link in the show notes and subscribe not to miss a beat. And more importantly, if you're in Europe, then plan your trip now because Lynx Europe is happening in Amsterdam on May 8th and 9th and registration is now open. This week we're diving into the world of digital art, music, and NFTs. My guest this week is Christopher Polson, who is Vice President, Business Development and Brand Partnering at Bang & Olufsen. Christopher, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting. You and I met a couple months back and I had the opportunity to learn about the project that we're going to discuss today. And I have to admit, it's been one of the most frequent things that I've talked about to people because I've encountered a fair amount of skepticism about NFTs. Hey, is there a real use case there? What are people doing beyond you know the bored apes? And I can't wait to talk about this project because I think it's such an interesting development for a company like yours. So maybe, maybe we can start, for people that aren't familiar with Bang & Olufsen, give us the quick history on the company. I think it's fascinating. Fascinating, and then we can jump forward into to what's going on with NFTs. I'd be happy to. So Bang & Olufsen was founded in 1925, closing in on uh, our 100 years anniversary and basically doing audio video equipment, but doing it a different way. I think the brand has always been standing out in the way we've been designing uh, and looked at form and function. We approach sort of the category slightly different than other players also when it comes to design and how we also secure that our products are timeless and built for longevity. One of the recent examples I love to share is uh, we recently launched a recreated edition of our turntable from 1972, which has been at MoMA in New York. And the demand for this turntable now, 50 years later, is intact. I can share, we can simply not source enough today to meet the demand for these recreated editions. So we have a long story of design and audio technology. It's amazing. My daughter, who's 13, recently bought a vinyl record. First one she's ever owned. She's a huge fan of One Direction and now all the members of that group who've splintered off into their own solo careers. And one of them put out a vinyl record, which she bought with her own money. And I said, you don't have any way to play that. And she goes, what do you mean? Like, she didn't even know what a record player was. But I've been looking at the record player on your site. And I'm like, oh, I should get that for her so she can actually experience not just the album art, which I think is what really drew her to the big vinyl record record, but the actual record player. It's amazing to see that world coming back. 
I think that's a really interesting juxtaposition to what I wanted to talk to you about today, which is NFTs. So you're bringing back a record player from 50 years ago at a company that's almost 100 years old, but you've jumped headfirst into the world of NFTs, which is kind of out on the bleeding edge. Talk to us a little bit about the journey. What led you to champion this project? What led Bang & Olufsen into the, the world of NFTs? It's a super good question because there's obviously many, many things we could do and decide to focus on and being a big brand, but also a relatively niche business. The reason we looked at this was basically we yeah, obviously always look at major trends and dive into these. But what we saw with Web3 uh, was an opportunity for us to express our brand virtually. Um, and because we are such an expressive brand in the way we design our products radically different than, than what you find in the market. We thought this could be uh, an opportunity actually to build a brand in Metaverse if you like. And we spent quite some time in landscaping different options for the brand. What should be the first step? Doing an NFT collection felt right for us. You could say it was also a topic of the time. But because we've always collaborated with artists, either being designers or musicians, it sort of came to us that it was really natural for us to extend this way of collaborating into Web3. For us, it was about embracing that creator economy that has emerged and where artists and musicians are using technology in a different way than before. And we wanted to be part of that. And sort of fundamentally, our target audience, that's design and music lovers, and they exist in Web2 and they exist in Web3. So for us, it resonated really well to extend our way of collaborating with artists into Web3. Well, and talk about the current state of the project. So I think it went live late last year. You launched with a few digital artists as well as musicians. Is that is that right? That's, that's right. We basically um, joined up with, with Hackatow, Thomas Lin, and Xiaowen Wang on the visual art side, and uh, RAC, Grammatik, and Lucas on the audio side. And they have all created unique works that will be merged with the DNA NFT. So uh, the collection is called the Bang & Olufsen DNA Collection. And it was announced late last year. Also, the roadmap was shared up front, and we are now sort of coming closer to the end of what has been published in terms of roadmap. But basically, it was quite an interesting journey also for our designers here at Bang & Olufsen, because basically you acquire the mint pass, and then you will receive one of four Bang & Olufsen products. The four products are representing the past, and that's actually the biogram that I spoke about before, the turntable. Yeah. It's the present, which is our product called BioPlay A9. It's been in the market for 10 years and is one of our best-selling speakers. Then it's the future, which is our most advanced technology in the market today, BioLab 90. And then it's Beyond, which is a product that only exists in the virtual world so far. And that's what we call BioSound Alpha. It might be we decide to build this in the real world, but so far you can only acquire it as an NFT. And then we task the designers. We sort of try to take the best of the PFP world and combining that with the art world. So our designers were tasked in making 10 materials that can be combined randomly for the four products so that the components of the products and the outcome you receive is basically randomly put together. It's materials like slate, amber, snow, water, all kind of materials that you would not be able to use in the real world as there's no laws of gravity in that sense in Metaverse. It was quite an interesting task for our design team who's very, by the way, curated in their approach to our physical products. I mean, there's no random composition of those in the real world. It's really, really, really curated. So I think a really interesting journey for our design team as well here. They're really happy with the outcome today. And yeah, so are we all. 
We'll link to the DNA site in the show notes, but you know, I would highly recommend that people as they're listening, go and look at these objects. Like it's kind of fantastical, the combination of materials on products that you can go and buy today from Bang & Olufsen. I mean, it's just an amazing experience to see the, like you said, the snow or slate on like the turntable product is kind of amazing. Talk a little bit about the, the artist collaboration. So you've got the products, but it seems to me that so many people love Bang & Olufsen because of the experience they have listening to their favorite musician or band or favorite song on the product. How did you pick the artists that you're working with and how is that collaboration work? Yeah, so we identified a number of, of artists that we felt could be good to match the Bang & Olufsen brand. And honestly, I mean, I would have loved to have more artists on, but there's also a degree of complexity and also how we've structured this in terms of royalty model and so forth. It's a joint project and it's jointly rewarded. We interviewed a number of artists and there was like immediate positive reactions from the majority of them. It felt very natural when we spoke about our ambition and what we wanted to do. And it sort of went pretty fast, really. There was very different personalities and genres, but all joining the journey here where we are combining art and music on what I think it's fair to say iconic design. And one thing that was interesting in the conversations with the artists, because we were very conscious about this being launched on the terms and conditions of Web3 and being respectful as a Web2 company and moving into the space. And therefore we were thinking of a digital only collection, but actually it was the artists and we spoke to them that convinced us that we should have a physical product as part of the roadmap. So there is token gated, you need the NFT and a DNA NFT to be able to access this limited edition where you can have either Xiaowan Wang, Hackatao or Thomas Lind artwork on uh, the A9 physical product. I think that's been sort of the dynamics of the collaboration. It's been very dynamic. We've always taken our artist input in the process, discussed different opportunities with the artists and very collaborative approach to the project. It's also important to say that we actually we gave the artists complete freedom. So it's not a script. It's not a you need to match this theme. It's their interpretation. And I think fantastic to see how they've approached this, both from the visual art and the music side. It's coming together really jointly. Very humble people in Denmark, but I think it's safe to say that we're pretty proud of the collection today. Talk a little bit about the business. You touched on it a moment ago. You have a unique royalty structure here. I'm also curious about, you know, for the company, is this looked at as a, a new revenue stream? Oh, we can distribute digital products. Or is it more about building the brand for a new generation of consumers or establishing, you know, another opportunity for customer loyalty and, and interactions? How did you conceive it internally and build the case for making this investment? Yeah, we have the hypothesis that it can be all of that. What we allowed us to do with this project and we very deliberate also how we stage this in Bang & Olufsen because it is an area where there's many opinions is this an exploration for us basically us looking at new technology and looking at a way Bang & Olufsen can play a role I think what I'm really happy about in this particular project is that we allowed ourselves for that experimentation and then we provided ourselves with the tools required to go ahead and try it out because we could probably spend a year more on this but we decided to go ahead and also knowing that in-house we are not experts in the field so obviously with some, some external advisory and support. We've been building up capabilities over the last year's time, basically, in this space. And that's one of the outcomes of this experimentation now, that we've heightened our knowledge and capabilities in the space. It can become all of it. But I think for us right now, it's really about how can we combine art and music with our brand and how can we 
create desirable collectibles. We sort of don't have a specific target in mind uh, in terms of revenue or anything else, but we do envision that over time more and more will be tokenized. So both when we are thinking upstream being authenticity and provenance, there's opportunities to apply blockchain technology. Also because you'll find that many of our products, they are traded in the secondary market. So take a biogram from the 50s. I think since we launched the recreated editions a few years ago, the secondary market prices has, I think, more than quadrupled. It's changing hands. So there's an interesting history to follow on a product where blockchain can play a role for us. And then obviously also downstream when you look at community models and how you're able to share content that follows the product being, one could imagine, special dedicated music tracks only available for a certain type of speaker owners or similar. I think really what we've learned is also that we have some opportunities when it comes to combining the physical and digital. And I think it's that combination of the two that we right now are spending time on exploring further. You have a number of retail stores globally, right? A, a few hundred, I think. How do those play into this experience that you're in, envisioning? It's been one of those also where we actually had to look at our retail stores as that's the Web2 space. And there's an education of those also. And I think it's safe to say that it was deliberate that we didn't try to onboard Web2 customers from the get-go. We simply thought that's going to be a fraction of the audience we do see. Actually, a higher uptake of what looks like first-time NFT buyers based on their wallets than we expected. But in particular with the stores, it's interesting you're asking because it's always been our hypothesis that we can turn these into digital galleries. And that's also been part of the initial talk with the artists that we can use those spaces as a showroom of digital art. Having some of the best audio and video equipment in those stores just gives some cool opportunities for immersive experiences. So actually, we have our first in-store event planned in April during the week of NFT New York, where our Soho flagship store will be um, turned into a um, digital gallery. And we'll have a number of events, both visual, but also audio. We will have Lucas joining us to DJ and we'll basically be amplifying the DNA collection experience in the store. We will also showcase other pieces of art. We decided to do a collaboration with Super Rare. So Super Rare will uh, be inviting some of their Rare Pass holders to uh, share artworks as well. So there's a lot of activities happening and we are sort of thrilled, also humbled to the fact that established players in the space, such as Super Rare, are keen on collaborating with the newcomer to Web3. I'm marking down my calendar right now to make sure that I get to New York that week. I'd love the opportunity to be in the store and see what you're doing there. It makes me wonder a little bit about the topic of metaverse. You know, I think a lot of people hear that word and they they immediately jump to the Facebook or meta view of metaverse, right? The, I'm wearing goggles. I've kind of often this completely virtual world of cartoon figures. But it seems like there's an intermediate step that maybe your company is better positioned to facilitate where, you know, you have millions of consumers all around the world that use your products to experience, you know, what they might prefer to be in person at a live concert, right? That's the ideal experience, I think, for music lovers. But obviously, you can't be with those artists all the time. Maybe if you follow a band like the Grateful Dead, you could. But for the average person, (laughs) you know, you can't always go to the be at a concert the digital music you bring that into your home you have an incredible sound experience or digital art or video you can deliver it in a really high quality way at home now bridging that forward it seems like maybe that's a more realistic or available path for most people into the metaverse i'm curious how you you all are thinking about that topic 
So definitely, I mean, we're not looking at radical shifts from physical to digital. We're looking at how we can combine new technologies with our physical presence and reality. And music is definitely one of the path here and being able to experience concerts. That's a whole track in itself that we are pursuing and also exploring. And then, you know, when it comes to metaverse and and the visual, the real-time part of the internet, if you like, that's opening up new opportunities for us to share experiences that requires you to travel today just like you travel to a concert. Maybe one of the most unique places in Bang & Olufsen history is where it was all founded, which is a small town in northern part of Jutland, which is in Denmark remote. Denmark's a small country, so some will laugh when I say anything is remote in Denmark, but it's like 300 kilometers more or less from Copenhagen. And here you will have our innovation lab. You will have just a ton of history, things that you need to be there to really see and experience. And we have customers who who are traveling there as far as from Japan to experience the place. Being able to open that up and have more people receiving those experiences in a new way that could be you know done in many ways and elements of gamification and what have you i think could be super super interesting to link into right and then of course what other experiences can you provide with vr technology and so forth that's also something we are exploring but again it, it's really the combination of our physical products and the digital experiences that that is in our focus right now It's interesting. Our companies have a little bit of shared history. Our CEO and founder, Michael Groninger, is Danish, started the company while he was living in Denmark. And we actually have quite a large part of our engineering team in both Copenhagen and Aarhus. I'm curious your perspective on the overall crypto ecosystem in Copenhagen. What's it like for people that haven't had the opportunity to visit? And how are people perceiving what's going on in crypto there? It's emerging, but I think, you know, sort of from a global perspective, we're not as developed as many other countries. And funny enough, you have countries that are sort of often perceived as not being developed in other terms, being highly engaged in crypto. But I can see just from the year and the last 12 months where a lot of my time has been spent in the space that you learn about new projects constantly. Definitely it's building, I would say, but it was difficult for us to find any local players doing similar initiatives like the one we pulled off. Here we had to look abroad and, you know, we more look to luxury peers in the industry. So that's been part of it that we've been sort of in local terms, I think moving quite early, but there's a lot of different initiatives. There's also blockchains being built layer one out of Denmark. So it's not like there's not movement in the global scheme we've been catching up i would say you actually touched on this earlier that you know obviously 2022 is a bit of a rocky year for the crypto ecosystem right lots of ups and downs and fraud and asset prices depressed nft markets down like how do you think about that in terms of the investment and the push that you're making here i mean you, you made the point earlier that you're glad you jumped in quickly versus studying the space for an extra year or two how does the company kind of receive this because i sense that brand protection is an important thing for your company. I'm happy we did it because the learnings have been so immense for us and also because we have a good share of integrity in in what we've been building. That's actually also why we've kept the Mint open throughout the roadmap period here because we want to build the community to its max extent. But obviously, we had a couple of things uh, that hit us. We had uh, OpenSea that uh, did make changes right before we were to release uh, the NFT on the structure for royalties. So we had to adapt our smart contracts last minute. We also had uh, FTX 
this event taking place just around our launch, which obviously had a negative effect on an already bearish market at that point in time. Our point of view were that we ended this for the long run. This is not one project and then we're out. And, but of course, I mean, there's always a timing perspective to everything, right? And I think when you look at the whole crypto space and NFT space, you can take the same lens to the technology sector and the market is where it is. But we do believe there's opportunity to build. That perspective is intact today as well. I've encouraged people along the same lines of taking a long view of the opportunity here, right? It's not about the next three months. It's about the next three years or 30 years. No, exactly. And I think that's where we deliberately said in this, we wanted to be in on the S-curve, what we perceive as being relatively early. And it's choices you have to make. There's so many technologies you can decide to double down on. We've sort of selected some, right? Obviously, in our area of audio, we have dedicated technology projects running. AI is also a space we actively looking at, and so is Web3 and blockchain. In order to make informed decisions, you also need to give yourself the opportunity to experiment. I noticed I was reading some of the materials about your approach and some of the decisions you made, like which chain to mint on. And I detected this thread of environmental consciousness that I think sometimes gets lost or maybe even misrepresented in crypto. Can you talk a little bit about your approach there? We went with Ethereum. We did that also conscious that the proof stake blockchain shift was underway at that point in time. And, and also because it's the blockchain, we saw the most innovation and the most established going into. So that was what we you know, considered the right choice. It's an area that we do look at. Personally, I also find it interesting and had the opportunity to meet the co-founder of Hedera in Austin the other week. So there's a lot of interesting advancement taking place. It's a space that can be a bit complicated for the new entrant to Web3. And I'm really looking forward to a point in time where it will be more interruptible, basically, between chains and where it becomes less about what chain you're on, but more about what the experience you provide to the users. But Ethereum was the right choice for us. You were just at South by Southwest. Talk to us a bit about that experience. What was the crypto scene like? What were you there to do? I was there with a, actually a Danish delegation of companies, including Lego also. And we were hosting different talks around the metaverse. And Austin is always great. I was only there two days, so it's very intense. And you sort of constantly feel you're missing out on something. But I mean, AI was huge. There was you know, a dedicated extended reality metaverse track, definitely part of the agenda. But I think compared to last year, AI, uh, was taking a lot of headlines, but also brain-computer interaction. I did experience that basically you could steer a truck with your mind. So a lot of fascinating opportunities to join different events, right, and uh, see the advancement of technology. For us, it's always about looking at how purposeful can a given technology be for our users. That's how we always approach this. But fascinating few days in Austin, but also very action-packed. Next time, my learning is I need to have a few more days with no points on the agenda, actually. I think that's the best way maybe yeah. to go there. To wander around. As we kind of wrap up the podcast, you mentioned the collaboration was super rare, which by the time we publish, that will be announced. Maybe talk a little bit about that and anything else that's on the horizon for the DNA collection that you want to mention to the audience. Yeah, cool. So we've hooked up with Super Rare, who learned about the collection. And basically, we have an interesting model where we are exchanging artwork. We will become a Rare Pass holder. Bang & Olufsen is now officially an art collector beyond the DNA collection. And the Rare Pass is a Super Rare initiative where you have a token that gives you the right to 12 art pieces that's being released one per month. In exchange, all the Super Rare Rare Pass holders will receive Bang & Olufsen DNA collection, NFT. And then we have a number of partnership events. Actually, one of them is 
is our New York event on April 12th, where Super Rare is a part of curating the art we will be displaying in the Soho store. And super excited about this partnership and how two companies with the same view on how art and technology can play together, can also work together. So a company that's coming natively out of Web3, meeting this 97-year-old brand, I think is fascinating. Looking forward to uh, continue the collaboration with Super Range into the future. And we also have our physical product that is token-gated, so you need the DNA NFT in order to be able to access this. And I'm one of the few who've seen the designs so far. Looking forward to share those also. And I think it's also worth mentioning that there will be, as a DNA holder, you will have your NFT made uh, metaverse ready. Actually, this week we will be releasing this so that you can access your 3D model ready for uh, deployment in your cyber gallery. Yeah, happy to see the uh, roadmap playing out as we planned it. And then we're busy discussing our next initiatives, which I'm not going to share now. Um, <laughs> but we are definitely looking into how we can combine physical and digital experiences and themes like product back tokens is something we are exploring, but also some of the work streams that actually has been taking place for a while now in terms of how we both can work with blockchain technology upstream and downstream is still ongoing. Here we're taking a bit more time. It's really more structural decisions that we need to make than we've done with the DNA collection. The physical product that's token gated, have you told people what that is yet or is that still a surprise? So the physical product will be a uh, Bioplay A9. It's a special edition with the artwork of one of the three artists, depending on what NFT you have. Okay. We have a complimentary DNA NFT holder pricing of 3333, 3333 USD, and working hard behind the scene to set up a way to access this with crypto. So you can pay in ETH. And that's going to be the first product you can buy in ETH by Bang & Olufsen. That might sound easy, but depending on your system setup, it might actually be a little bit challenging. And I think that was like a common denominator for our project here. It was quite complex when you have seven smart contracts we had to execute. And this is where we were lucky to uh, basically meet Chain Analysis, who yeah. made our Gnosis safe setup doable. And yeah, really proud of the setup we managed to build within a short time. And also, uh, yeah, thank you for the help. Thank you for letting us be part of the project. I'm so excited by this. For people that don't know what the A9 is, it's a large round speaker kind of mounted on a three-legged stool type architecture. It looks like a piece of furniture. Uh, it's not like any other electronic gadget that I've ever seen before. Stunning piece of art in and of itself. So you know, melding it with some of this digital arts sounds amazing. When we wrap this recording, I'm gonna be off to mint my Bang & Olufsen NFT, I think. That's gonna be my next step. Christopher, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing about your project and looking forward to meeting you in person in Amsterdam at Lynx in about a month and a half. Likewise, and thank you for having me. Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of Public Key. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and our newly launched TikTok, where we share our favorite moments captured in this podcast and other great content from the Chainalysis team. And if you're into crypto policy and financial compliance, I bet you'll enjoy our new YouTube show, Know Your Crypto Compliance, which is hosted by my colleague, Caitlin Barnett. From Nigeria to China, central bank digital currencies are consistently a topic of conversation for central banks as they begin remodeling the financial systems for the internet age. Find out more about CBDCs, their benefits, the privacy concerns, and what projects already exist or are looking to launch in our recent blog post. As always, the link can be found in the show notes.